0: So where are we going? That Jesus is shining into our darkness. Will we allow him to transform us into his loving image? Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to be transformed into the image of God? Because then do we have our individual individuality in that? I think we do. I think God doesn't take our character away from that, but I think it also... It allows us to see who we truly are supposed to be. When we surrender to a God who loves us and he commands us to love, then we can be a little bit like God ourselves. Not all the time because um, we're selfish and broken and narcissistic uh, sinners, right? But uh, when we follow in his images, we can have glimpses of what God Christ meant for us to be, and I think that's exciting. So Jesus is the light of the world. That's our first point, and we're going to go back to our call to worship this morning and look at John chapter 1, verse 4, and the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. This verse was one of the, when we went through John, was one of the powerful messages to me that God always chooses life, and he's going to choose that no matter what. And so as we go uh, through our culture today, um, tries to say that um, what, what is life and what isn't. Well, God chooses life every time, so I'm going to err on the side of life, and that would be in the womb and as well. And if you think about it, I saw this one this Christmas, a little meme out there. Jesus was the first to recognize an unborn child in the womb. And I was like, hmm. Or was first to be recognized by an unborn child in the womb. So John recognized Jesus, right? So, And he was unborn, but he left in the womb. So I thought that was a, a pretty good um, something to make you think about that, right? So after God creates the heavens and the earth, or in other words, time, matter, and space, okay? So God created the heavens and the earth. So he creates time, creates matter and space all in one. Boom. It's right there. He then creates light. John is relating that light and life go hand in hand. And Jesus is the light of the world, the light of man. Jesus is going to be the beacon of light to all God's kingdom. Jesus is going to start the restoration of God's kingdom. What does light do? Well, if you think about light, it reveals what's been concealed, like Jesus does to sin in our lives. So when we have sin and we want to conceal it, Christ illuminates that and asks us to repent of that sin. Light, it delights in the details. If you shift light on an object, you see it differently. You can you notice different things. And if you've ever done drywalling in your life, you can shift that light face on, it looks perfectly smooth. Then you turn it sideways, and you start seeing all those shadows, and oh my goodness, you got some more work to do, <laughs> right? So that's, that's something there. So it, it reveals what's been concealed. It delights in the detail. Light cleanses. Light cleanses our sin. So um, with uh, COVID-19, we found out that sunlight Uh, breaks down viruses. We've always known that. We've confirmed that with COVID, and that's one thing that we see. It also breaks down bacteria a lot of times, too, um, but differently on that one. So if it's got a substance to grow in, not all the times, it kill all the bacteria. So light was the very first thing created after time, matter, and space. And where does our food chain start? If you look at the food chain and you back it all the way up, it goes to plant life, right? Well, where does plant life get its energy from? It gets it from the sun. All these are indicators that uh, God created, and God has a bigger plan for us. The spiritual food chain starts with the sun as well, but we're talking the son of God there. So light can never be penetrated by the darkness. There is no such thing as a flash dark. You don't go out, hey, let me grab my flash dark, it's a little too bright in here. Right, um, it is a flashlight. We get a flashlight. Um, maybe it would be a, a dark dark instead of a flash dark. I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Um, maybe a shadow dark. I don't know. We'll have to figure that one out. But we got some smart people in here. We'll figure that out, right? So we don't measure darkness. You ever notice that? In science, we don't measure darkness because darkness would, I guess, would be zero. Uh, we measure light. We ask, measure how many lumens are in the, in the thing. So when we want to know about a light bulb, we don't want to know how dark it is. We want to know how light it is, right? We want to know what kind of light it is. Is it warm, cool, or um, daylight? Which is really just another way to say it's a little cold, but not as cold. <laughs> That's how I take it. So Jesus is the light, and he's shining into our darkness. Will we allow him to transform us into his loving image. So John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the NIV, by the way. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I like that, has not overcome it, because if you look at that, um, darkness can never overcome light. It is light giving up that allows the darkness to win. So if we shut our light off or we put out our light, that's when darkness wins. That's the only time. We have a charge as the church that if we let our, don't let our light shine, then Satan wins. And I'm afraid that's going to be more what the, the end times look like. It's going to be less and less uh, people at church and things of that nature. But I believe this is a paradox that the gospel of John is showing us that Jesus is the answer. The theme of John's gospel is that man has a problem. And God offers his son as a solution to all. So you got to look at this solution. Did it really happen? Did it, was it there? Um, and things of that nature. There's a, we've mentioned this before, there's a book out there called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's a great read, it's really easy. Guess what? There's an audio book if you say, I don't like to read, and you're like, I don't like to listen either. There's a movie for that as well. All very good, worth looking into, and points to, to Jesus being real. Obviously, it helps put the God's word in perspective because that's where we're going to get our our proof anyways. And that second proof, not only the, the physical evidence, but the moral evidence. Why do we have a moral code? How does the moral code get there? And what's it based off of? It has to be based off of something bigger than ourselves. So, um, a moral code really points to a moral code giver. Okay, and if there's a moral code giver, what is it? Is it society? Well, society falls apart all the time, so it's got to be bigger than society. Is the universe? The universe doesn't have an opinion one way or the other on how we're going to live. It's, it's created, right? And so it's got to be bigger than that, and so we have to have a moral code giver, which I have come to find out is God, and so, if that is true, we have creation in one sh- way, shape, or form, or however you want to look at creation, comes into being. There's three basic ways to look at that, um, but I'm not going to get into that. And then there's the moral code, our very big proofs on is there a God? Is he out there? And that is the paradox of us because it comes down to faith, doesn't it? We don't know how things were created. 2,000 years ago, it was a long time to, to know if somebody was, was created or was there. Was he really there? Uh, did you know that there's more evidence in history that Jesus um, was alive than there was of Caesar Augustus? And we don't ever question Caesar Augustus, but we always question Jesus. Why do we question Jesus? Because if, we, if Jesus is real, then we have to pay attention to what he has to say. And I really think that this is the theme of Christmas. Not only that there's evidence of God, but that God gave. God gave his son, and God gave his son to the world to be a savior. This is why we we give gifts, to celebrate the get, best gift ever. This is one of the themes of Christian Christmas, as we give gifts. It's to celebrate Christ's birthday, right? Eternal life with Jesus Christ is the best gift ever. Life for a life, a baby born to die so that me, we might have life. I would encourage you not to throw this gift away, to look into it, uh, check out its authenticity, and make sure it's the real McCoy. Because if it's not, then we're up here blowing a bunch of smoke. But if it is, then we have something to pay attention to and that's something we need to uh, look into that uh, a decision we want to make. Because at that point then, we're either defiant against God, which, hey, that's our natural state, is to rebel against him, or we surrender to him, and we're going to follow his authority. We're going to go by what he says, and we're going to listen and obey. So there's nothing more precious than that gift. And when he shows us the way um, and we walk into it, we find that it's the, way, the right way to live. Um, It's the reason why love is in the world. It's the reason why we still love, even though if we don't follow him, he's still the base of love. So Jesus is shining into the darkness. Will we allow him to transform us into his loving image? So let's just pause this Christmas season and remember, he calls us to come out and be separate from the world. Christian, he calls you to come out and be separate from the world. Because if you're not, whose testimony are you giving? Not Christ. You're not giving a testimony at all. And what does he say to those who are lukewarm? We talked about that last week. I'm about to spit you out in my mouth, right? It's not where I want to be. I want him to be able to be satisfied with what he has in his servant here. So I want to... um, be separate from the world, go above and beyond, and, and uh, have integrity. He calls us to a choice, to recognize the light, to see the truth, to accept the gift God has to offer by faith in Christ Jesus. Friends, the gospel wants to bring change, and we have this hope What hope do we have? That the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only has come from the Father, full of grace and truth. As John the Baptist says it very well, he must become greater. I must become less. It is not I, but Christ. Only by the grace of God am I changed. Only by the grace of God can I do something more than myself. It is not me. It is God's message that lives in me that gets that job done. I don't think that is very comfortable for Christians in America today. We like to share in the glory. We like to siphon off the glory maybe a little bit and, if, and be like, oh, you did a really good job there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Did I there's something better I could have said, you know. Well, it's because the Lord allowed me to do that and give him the glory. Um, let me tell you about my Jesus. It gives you an opportunity to share the gospel, too. And that's difficult. But it says in Second Chronicles 7, verses 14 through 16, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So he gives them the conditions. If you you humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear them. And then he says, I'm listening. I'm listening. How are you going to respond to that statement? Well, I have a hard time with step number one if I humble myself, because, as I've said many times before, I'm a glory hog. I like to feel good about myself, and and uh, how's that look? Well, it looks like this: "Hey, honey, Somebody took out the trash." Right? I'm good at that. I, I've been watching that more myself, but uh, it rubs off too because uh, I see that pattern down in my kids and things as well, and, and uh, we don't need to be that. Um, we don't need to... It's fun to get the winning shot in basketball, but it's not the, the end all. It's not um, the most important thing. The most important thing is that God gets the glory that we worship Him and we praise him. That sounds kind of boring, and it's only boring for boring people, I'll say, because when you come in relationship with the Lord and you find out what it means really truly, um, it's pretty exciting, and it's something that's changed my life forever. So how are we going to change these habits? How are we going to move, um, live our life and? We have, a, we have a choice what it comes down to. We can choose life with him, or we can choose eternal suffering because we continue to worship ourselves. It's time to end the footholds that the devil has in our lives, and it's time to humble ourselves and pray and change our sin habits. Also called bad habits, right? But let's call them out for what they are, their sin. And there's three main steps to changing a bad habit or changing a sin habit. The first one is calling it out. You even see this in Alcohol Anonymous. They admit that they're an alcoholic first, and then they can work on the change. Admit that I am adulterer. I look at things on the internet I shouldn't do. I, I have done this. I have, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. And it puts us in our place. It is very humbling to admit your sins. Right? It's very humbling. But God calls us to do it. Light exposes the problem, You can write this down. You can confess to a a friend. And most importantly, you can confess to your Lord and Savior. The Lord has exposed the problem. And I would say, when that happens, the authority of that sin, that bad habit, is taken away from it. Because you've admitted it, it's brought out into the clear. And I would say 80% of getting rid of that habit is right there biting your nails. You know, do you bite your nails? Do you tell somebody, I bite my nails. I have a hard time biting my nails, and that's something I need to work on. Um, whether whether what it might be. There's a lot of things. But if you confess those, they, it gets it off your chest. It, it shows that you're human and that you're not perfect, which is hard for us, because even that is showing that we're a glory hog. Oh, no. Right? But when we show, we celebrate our weaknesses to show God's strength in us. I'd chew my nails all the time. I used to chew my nails a lot uh, growing up, and um, the Lord gave me victory over that bad habit. Okay. I also think uh, that's why I have such a strong immune. system. No, just kidding. <laughs> I grew up on the farm, so you don't know what was under those nails. That's right. Whew so when experiencing the bad habit verbally reject it it is a crutch usually that bad habit it is there because of stress or whatnot and if you verbally call it out and rebuke it then you can defeat it the second one is self-discipline why am i doing this so we need to self-evaluate so number two self-discipline self-evaluate Where does this urge come from? Does it come when I'm under stress? Does it come out of boredom? Does it come when I get excited? When we recognize the pattern, we can avoid the habit. Fill the bad habit with a good one. This is really important. If you are stressing out because of something, and that's why you chew your nails, if that's why you're looking at different things you're not supposed to, or if that's why you've developed something there and you're not supposed to, It is important to develop something that you should be doing, right? Quoting scripture to look at different things like that um, are all good ways to do that. So here, maybe it's grabbing a glass of water instead of a snack, calling a friend uh, when you're tempted and just celebrating that friendship. Um, Slowing down and constantly and consciously relaxing. That's one that's I have to do. Um, I get going, 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 going. And then I realize there's no God in my going. Okay? It's just go. It's not God. I forgot the D. I don't know. I'm working on it. (laughs) I don't know. So, and then I have to stop. I got to remember. And my mind wants to race, 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 race. Because Satan knows he's got me. He's got me in the go. And if I don't slow down and consciously rebuke that rush i leave god out of the the problem and if i leave god out of the problem it becomes very stressful and it becomes very hard to win but if i walk in the light as he is in the light then i can expose that problem and walk steady through there so some of the things that i need to slow down and recognize that are causing stress is seeking alternative sources Maybe for my news. Um, You look on mainstream media, and they they tell you all the doomsday news. So I've gone and uh, found a a podcast that I listen to. It's called The World and Everything in It because, yes, it tells you some of the doomsday stuff, but it also tells you some encouraging things and that there's good things happening out in the world. Another thing is social media. What do I run to when I wake up in the morning? A lot of times, our first thing is, oh, do I get any likes on that picture I put last night? Or did I, um, what are my friends doing? Um, Didn't have enough time this morning. So I went through and I scrolled and I liked all your Christmas photos this morning. Um, But did I really like your Christmas photo? Did I really, no, I just scrolled through and hit like because I felt obligated to do that. And that's not right. I need to rejoice in those, uh, maybe even saying prayers for those families. And, and there's something more constructive that I could, could do with that. So what's one way that we can um, work through this stress? Here's a great one. January 6th, there's a Bible study that's going to be right over here. We need to study the Bible. God's Word is so important. Um, And we do it in a group. This is where we are lacking in this church. We need to come together in unity and praise the Lord through studying His Word. It is very important to do. The last one is pray and meditate on Scripture. So pray to start your day. Pray against the habit in a positive way. It says, Lord, you're strong You are a comforter. I would trust in your word and the power to be what I need today. Guard my mind and my heart. Guide me to be your servant today. That is a good prayer, that you're giving God the authority, you're asking him to be your rescuer and um, your protector as well. So that's kinda got three things. Or you can memorize scripture, just like your bookmark today, right? Flee the evil desires of youth and follow faith, love, peace, along with those who call upon the Lord with pure heart. So, did I get it pretty close? Faith, righteousness. I forgot righteousness. No! So, you're like, how can I memorize this verse easily? Because this is a great verse to uh, contain your purity. Well, if you flip it over, you see all those letters? That's the first letter of every. Um, word on the verse. And so if you put it down and on a solid surface, then you can't see the back. But if you're really having a struggling time, you can hold it up to the light. Flee the evil desires. Yeah. See, you can read it backwards. Um, But all those things are good memorizing tools. You can put this on your dash in your car. You can put this on your mirror in your bathroom. You can, dare I say, turn it into a bracelet and wear it. Um, but they also, did you know that they have uh, Christian tattoos that have Bible verses that are on there that have the, the verse in a letter form? We got some for the kids and things uh, that they can memorize a scripture and it has the first letter or it has the first phrase or something to that effect or it has a picture that, that brings it in there and then it has the scripture reference and then you can check that. And it's something that's been exciting for us that we've discovered. So, uh, and I put the, the three Fs there. Flee, follow, and friends. Because if you have those three, that helps keeping those bad habits out. So Jesus is the light shining into our darkness. Will we allow him to transform us into his, his loving image? And notice I put it, our darkness, because we need to take responsibility for the dark that we put out there. How is Jesus shining into our world? By his love, through his church, church, we have a responsibility. First John four seven through nine says, "Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God, and knows God. But anyone who does not love God does or does not love does not love God, for God is love." God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus knew that he was born to die. He is the only one that's ever been born that knew his reason to be here. His purpose was to die on the cross. He was the savior of the world. He knew that from the beginning. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, if you look in the book of John, Jesus always talks about his time. My time has not yet come. My time is near. My time is upon us. Come, let's go. They're here to take me. Right? He lays it out big time. And so he knew his purpose. And he set the example we are to follow. In 1 John 3.16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us okay? He did it for us first. He didn't ask us to give up our lives first. He did it first. He set the example. So we also ought to give up our lives um, for our brothers and sisters. He doesn't even necessarily ask us to give up his life for him, even though that's what we do when we surrender, but to give it to serve one another and serve those who don't know that they may know. John 15, 13, and then I put 14 and 17 as well. It says, there is no greater love than, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. Okay, think about this. You are my friends if you do what I command. Making us in a relationship that's equal to him, not necessarily a student teacher, but we're, we all could be teachers possibly if we do what he commands this is my command. He says in verse 17, love each other. Wow. So the person that I don't love, I don't like my enemy. Yeah. You're supposed to love him. It's one of those verses. I like to cross through with the black. I highlight it in black because I don't want to read it. Right? Not true. I don't do that. I don't do that. Uh, but we want to, right? Love your enemy as yourself. I don't want to do that. I don't want to love my neighbor as myself. I don't want to love my enemy either. But I do it because God does it. And when he softens my heart, I don't look at that person as an enemy anymore. I look at that person as somebody that's broken that needs Jesus. And when I have compassion on them, I can know how to love them. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. How do you lay down somebody your life for someone? Well, you die for them. Dare I say, Jesus probably means that you live for them on a daily basis, serving them, praying for them, watching over them um, in his name, not in our name, but making sure that they're there for us and we're there for them. So how can we do these things? Set this example. We have three letters, A, B, and C in your bulletin. A, we put others first. Laying your life down for them, putting others first. Looking for places in your life where you can let someone else eat first. What do you mean by that? Have you ever been to one of our potlucks? Have you ever been to a Christmas at your grandma's or at your maybe with your mom or your, or uh, maybe it's a sister. And you get together for these Christmas meals, and you notice that the host or the hostess, they almost always eat last. You ever notice that? Um, my grandmas have always set great examples of this, and Brandy's grandmas as well. They almost always eat last, every single one of them. And you notice these servants of the family... They they hang back until all are served, and they're insulted if you insist they eat before them. Because they want to make sure, one, that there's enough, and two, that um, their hard work goes into the love that's on the table. They do this because of their love for their family, and they want to make sure that all have had some. Right? That's that is a great way to see and show love. So where's a place that I can let someone go before me and let them eat first? I'm going to put them before myself. I'm going into a line. Oh, you you can go ahead. I only have a few items. You got all that. They're like, that's not how it works. You're supposed to say you have all that. You only have a few items. You switch. No, I'm not in a hurry. It seems like you got the kids there. I'll entertain the kids while you put them on the things on the belt right? Things like that. Don't be in a hurry. God's going to get you there on time. Unless you're Jesse, you might want to hurry just a little bit. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, who can we share your joy with? As we write, I always think this, who can I share my joy with? as the, If I were an author, I'd be reading a lot of books. Um Lately, and they always say they always have a section of acknowledgement. I couldn't have done this book without this person, this person, this person, this person, right? Well, who could we not do life with when we're writing our own book? Who could we acknowledge and put first? Yeah, we could we could acknowledge God in that we could acknowledge, I could acknowledge my wife and my family or a lot of times they, they're editors and the other people that, that point different things out in their book. But who's working in our book, in our life, if we write this down? And obviously, yes, like CJ said, we, that Christ do, died for us, who do we need to, to let know that we acknowledge Jesus first in our life? B, the second one, is coach back. So we've talked about The way to make disciples. We've talked about time with. We've talked about the 4K, which is prayerfulness, reading your Bible, life of worship, and loving extravagantly because we have been loved extravagantly. Those are the four things. And we repeat that. We teach that to our kids, and they teach that to their kids, and we see three generations because we've learned that from someone else. And you can see four generations there, right? And as we see those generations continue on, we see Christ's love continue on, and so we need to con- coach back these concepts, and you see this in the passages we've read. We also see this in um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, where he um, gives the Shema, which is a prayer that they all they all sing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Jesus added that, and that's Leviticus chapter 19. Jesus is about to go on the cross, and he he his disciples in close in John chapter 13 that they may have, and they may have been asking him, what's the next step? What are we to do? You told us about this, but what are we supposed to do next, Lord? Um, you, it seems like you're, you're holding something back, and, and Jesus wasn't holding anything back. He was teaching them his way is simple. It's very thing that we need to do. We just need to keep repeating it over and over. And they may have been getting bored with some of the teaching, and he pulls them in close, and he's like, a new commandment I have for you. Oh, this is it. Guys, guys, come here. Come here. This is where we get to be the rulers. This is where we get this. This is going to be great. Listen to this. So I'm, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. What? No, that's not. You, you told us that one already. Right, I, I got that. What's he saying by saying it's a new commandment? Coach him back. Remember, that's what you're supposed to do. You're not doing a very good job of it. You need to remember that we need to love each other. Just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. They probably said... Yeah, this is new, but it's also the same thing. Why would he do this? Because he's coaching back. Remember the basics. Love is the basics. Um, justice is a basic. And sometimes those seem like they're in conflicts to one another. But that's why he came to write that conflict of death. Know the situation that we're about to face. He wanted to re- them to remember to love even when it's hard, even when they could see Jesus, even when hope was gone, he wanted them to remember, love one another. Because there's going to be three days here, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to follow my teaching, but I'm coming back. Because that's when people see that you are my disciples. This is the bright light in the darkness. The, when the bully gets you down, what do you do? Do you have bullies in real life? they are bullies in real life? Only bullies in school. And don't worry, we've learned how to get rid of being a bully now. Um, over all these years, they finally figured it out, right? No, no, they haven't, right? Adults, we have bullies in our lives, don't we? We have people that try to intimidate us to do what we um, maybe should or shouldn't do. How do you get, when a bully's got you down, what do you do for them? You bake them an apple pie. That's right. So I'm going ba- to find all the good cooks in here. I'm going to bully them, so they'll bake me. Up. No, it's kidding. Um, you bake. Do something kind for them. Do something unexpected, because that's how you love your enemy um, as yourself. The child who is trying your patience, start with a hug, because we remember we have done worse to the Lord but remember also to discipline accordingly because if you just do through love that's not teaching a lesson and that really isn't loving so you need to discipline accordingly see rec- love requires sacrificial action cuz then we come to this verse it's John 3:16 and 17 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That is grace right there. God's grace is poured out to all mankind. Do we choose to accept that grace? It is our choice. Do we choose to accept it? And that's what it goes on, continues on. We'll come back to that in a second. God set, set the example of what it means to sacrifice for someone else's sin. He gave his son to take up our punishment for our sin. He continues to pour out his grace so that we might have a chance to tell others of this wonderful gift. A gift given with special meaning is a great gift indeed. What do we need to, who do we need to extend our grace to? I got, I got some of these examples that I got from people that I've either, they're either here today or they are, um, have been in, at White Rose. Who are we not talking to? It's time to open a dialogue. It's time to set aside our pride and open a dialogue. Who is hard to serve in your life? We need to serve them like they're Jesus. Like we would Jesus. Who is your heart hardened against? It's time to forgive. As we go and we see John 3.16, we follow the example of love that he had for us. And as we go into the next section, we see that God um, did not send his son into the world to, to judge, but to save the world through him. Why? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. We, you either stand condemned as a sinner, or you stand uh, righteous as a saint. There's no middle ground on that one. God's going to separate the sheep and the goats. You're either in judgment already because you're born into sin, or you've walked out of judgment because you've accepted his free gift of grace. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. Is it scary when we confess our sins? Sometimes it is. Is it scary when we've broken the law when we've sinned? Yeah, because we have authority that we need to submit to. Guess what? We always have an authority that we need to submit to. That's that moral code. The moral code giver is what gave the code. And so it's hard for us as humans to talk about that because it means that we're broken and we need something to fix us, in a sense. And the only person that can do that is the moral law giver. That is God the Father. So he sends his son to fulfill that debt that we've created. That is hard. It's humbling to admit that. And as we go, we there is a but in that statement. It says, but those who do what is right come into the light so that they can see that they're doing what God wants we surrender to the lord we submit to his authority and then we know we can do what is right because we give to give it's a big difference between giving to give and giving to get amen that's not easy why am i giving why am i doing this it doesn't make any sense I'm not getting anything out of this because God told me to. And that's good enough. When we can rest in that, wow, God changes your heart big time. And that's when you know you're surrendered. Okay? When you can give without expecting return, there's something different about you. <laughs> Just like our youth group, right? There's something different that God's working in our lives. So we need to remember. Jesus' light is shining into the darkness. Will we allow him to, be, to transform us into his loving image? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you that we could be here to um, celebrate your Christmas season. And Lord, I pray that we would have opportunities this week to share the love of Christ and that we would look for those opportunities Lord, we thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love the people who cross our path, starting with our family. Don't let us miss the adventures you are sending our way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw our hearts to you and to the specific people you want us to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform us into a follower of Jesus who loves you, loves people, and makes disciples, who makes more disciples, and keeps it going. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, a couple of weeks ago we sang that. You're dismissed. I'm just going to talk, so keep going. Um, we, we, we read that prayer. Did you know that I heard the youth um, much louder than the adults, and I thought that was a great. You know why? Because they've been practicing it longer, uh, but it's sticking And um, I was really encouraged by that. So I hope you guys are encouraged by that as well. You're dismissed. Yeah.